0: Hello and welcome back to our product podcast. This is Sean Boyce. I'm the founder of Next Step Product Strategy and we have a great guest here with us today. I have John Watch, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at Casasa. Hello, John. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Excited to be here.
0: Thank you for being here with us. And he is also published. He is the author of the book Bank Corruption, How Community Banking Can Survive FinTech. That sounds very juicy
1: <laughs> it's a it's a world that I live and breathe and um, and one that perhaps a lot of people don't really uh, pay that much attention to but um, but it's a it's an important one for for uh, most of America whether they know it or not very cool I could say I have a copy
0: of it myself and I'm reading through it and it's fantastic so I'd highly recommend it. Thank you. In particular, all of the really valuable information in there about fintech and disruptive banking. So anybody who's anywhere near that industry, and even those that aren't, I would highly recommend it. So we'll talk more about that and a few other things here on the show. First and foremost, uh, John, if you could give us an idea about Casasa. Uh, what is Casasa?
1: Sure. Casasa um, is a financial product distribution network. Just to use four words, uh, that that usually don't go together and certainly probably don't make sense to the average person, but the gist of it is we create, um, we do research to figure out what consumers want in banking products. And then we create those products to solve that need and uh, find a nice fit between um, really good for the consumer and also a good win for the, uh, for the bank or the credit union. We create those products, wrap them with, um, Marketing, um, compliance, mystery shopping, frontline type stuff, as well as web, Um, you know, all the fun mobile type uh, stuff to actually acquire the account, open the account, and then distribute them through our vast network of bank, community bank, and credit union partners, which today is uh, somewhere around, I guess, 900 uh, around the United States. And the end result is. Um, you know, we have millions of consumers who use our, um, Casasa branded checking accounts, savings accounts. Um, we introduced an entirely new type of loan, auto loan and personal loan last year. And, um, uh, so effectively we create really interesting financial products for consumers and, and, uh, power those for the institutions. The, um, um, you know, these are the institutions that we work with are often financial institutions that can't afford or do not have R and D departments or product teams to um, to develop and manage their um, um, uh, to even do the research that they need to figure out which products they need, and then um, to even develop those research. Uh, to, I'm sorry, to develop those products, and then. Um, and then often the institutions don't have the expertise when it comes to deploying those products or uh, long-term managing those, meaning things like um, analytics and understanding is the product, um, is the account profitable for my institution? What's happening with this consumer? Are they actively engaged with us? Um, you know, all the behavioral type stuff that goes along with that. Casasa packages all that um, uh, into a nice solutions and the institutions offer our products and services to their end consumers.
0: Very cool. And thank you for sharing. There's a lot of yeah, activity there. So, uh, as you can imagine, I have some follow up questions.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought we'd finish, but that was the end.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. right. There's so much here. <laughs> I could talk about this all day. So, if you could give our audience and myself a bit of an idea, too, because I've seen a number of things on profiles for you you know, across the web, social media channels, but you're the chief innovation officer at Casasa. So if you could talk a little bit more about what that means specifically for you guys, and then you also have heavy involvement in product as well. So it, whatever you can share about either one or both of those, I think we'd love to hear that too.
1: Sure. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I guess about 15 years ago I'd started a company in partnership with a company that, um, that ended up becoming the company called Casasa. And we, we merged the companies together sometime around 2010, 2011. Around that time, the, um, the chairman at the time gave me this title of chief innovation officer. And as I moved from CEO of the other company, you know, uh, he, he decided to call me chief innovation officer. And quite frankly, um, chief innovation officer title is already kind of squishy. And what the heck does that even mean? Uh, in community banking and, um, FinTech, it's, it especially in community banking, it's, uh, it's just an albatross of a title, <laughs> but the, uh, what I've, what That's I've defined fair. it to mean some, sometime around, uh, eight, you know, eight years ago or so I started to define it to mean, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, um, learn as much about our industry, about financial technology and, um, and be as connected with the companies that are um, and the startups that are creating really interesting financial technologies and figure out how to deploy that and bring that to our, um, our client base and our end consumers. And so, so really what I, um, what that ended up becoming was I, uh, I built the uh, product management organization here at Kasasa and and I lead that. So in many contexts, it's probably chief product officer, um, but I'd say it's been 30 to 40 percent of my time um, giving a lot of talks and engaging with um, uh Uh, audiences about financial technology, the future of financial technology, where we headed and um, in the not too distant future, like maybe the next year and where we headed over the next five years. So it's, um, it's probably looks a lot more like a chief product officer role, but um, for whatever reason, I I have the innovation officer title. I got it.
0: And that's a, that's a great distinction, I would say, because that can be tough. (laughs) That always means something to every different company right each company is, has a different description of what that means i like that you went right after it sure does and it, and it, gets out. Even,
1: it gets even weirder yeah it gets even weirder because the um it's cio is the abbreviation and how much spam i get related to cios i'm like man i would hate to be an actual cio <laughs> all, all you get is just terrible spam about email and <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally agree. Isn't chief innovation so chief innovation officer even has a its own unique acronym, right? Isn't it CINO or something like that?
1: It is, but but uh, you know, isn't a CIO also that. a CINO? <laughs> exactly. Information
0: is all. That one, so. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, they all. Uh, it, it's, it's 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 interesting how there's such a blend of all of them together. Yeah. it should all be effectively combined, but I like that you went right after that chief product officer component as well, too, because we offer services in and around that level also. And also, mm-hmm. also what I like that you had mentioned as well, too, is because some of the most disheartening things that I hear when I talk to certain people that are in product or think they're in some form of product, when I start asking them about what is their engagement like with their communities and consumers and customers and stuff like that, I get responses from time to time that will be like, well, we, we never talk to the customer. And then my heart sank, and I'm like, "What do you mean you never talk to a customer? <laughs> Are you serious? Like, why not?" And I start worrying—not just even for me, for them. I'm like, "I don't understand how how product gets done without at least that form of a that with that component that's there." So I'm glad that you said that pretty much immediately, uh, and that's that's kind of how our system starts as well too. You, know, you talk a lot about market research and understanding what's going on in the community, who's doing other things in fintech, where the technology is evolving. So that's really encouraging me here. And I think that that's something I wanted to point out specifically for the audience as well also, is that, right, John, with the success that you've had in your career and at the level you're at now, still at the forefront is engaging with the community, talking to consumers, understanding what's going on in the industry, talking to customers. So that's, a, that's an important distinction. I just wanted to draw some more attention to that.
1: Well, you know, you, you've got to, right? I, the reality is none of us is Steve Jobs. And and I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure Steve had research teams somewhere that he was hiding. Exactly. Uh, but, Thank you. <laughs> you, you. You you're you're not Steve, and uh, <laughs> and and people always do things for their own reasons, not for the stupid ish that's in your brain that you think they should be doing. They're doing things for their own reasons, and. And um, and that means a, a variety of different research techniques are probably important to embrace um, depending upon what what problem you're solving, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I could tell a crazy story like you know we, we had we had this product one time that was a um, uh, we did all this research and and the research was essentially, hey, uh, we've it started off with a simple hypothesis that we heard from consumers saying that they would love to take the interest that we pay them on their checking accounts and donate it to a charity that they care about. And it sounds so wonderful. And then right. uh, and, and and, you know, then you do the research and guess what? Every stinking consumer wants to tell you that, of course, they give their money. They love giving their right. money away. Of course, right? And then who doesn't? You spend millions of dollars developing this checking account and you'd be amazed how few people really actually wanted the account. Put it, to put it next to an account that actually where the money goes to into their pocket you know and so it's like oh well, yeah you know i guess we should have used maybe a couple of other different research techniques than what we used instead of maybe asking people in a focus group setting where they wanted to look all prideful and uh and and respectful in front of everybody else exactly. maybe we should have asked them this question somewhere else and so yeah i mean Research is, uh, you know, I mean, there's there, there's a reason there's um, so much expertise around it. And, uh, you know, we we do spend a lot of money there, but uh, but it comes back uh, many, many times over. It's just dividends. That's excellent.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree. And you, you mentioned something specifically there as well, too, about the focus groups and the, the preliminary research that you did and where you think that was going. But then the dots not ultimately being connected in the end. And that's another thing that I talk about in the work and the speeches that in the presentations I give as well, too, is I issue strong cautions and warnings to certain focus groups and those types of strategies to try to get information from consumers and customers in mass because they, they fall victim to these groupthink type problems where, like you said in the example that you just gave and others that I've seen, has a tendency to encourage things like groupthink where, couple of personalities in the room may dominate and make it seem, they may just kind of be going along with the flow just because they don't want to row against, you know, they don't want to row upstream. So you may not capture everyone's independent view because that's where a ton of tremendous and tremendously valuable data is going to be. And instead it may seem like everyone's rowing in one direction when in reality that's just a few of who you're actually talking to and connecting that to actions is also very different. So I'm glad you pointed out that distinction.
1: Great point.
0: All right. So let's. So a couple of questions I have here too. So you built the product team at, at your organization. So uh, I have two questions, one specifically about products. But before we get into that, I want to ask you more about for those listeners that are looking to get into product or those that are in product and want to be better at it. I get this question from time to time and I know what I have is my answer. I would love to hear it from you as well with all of your experience. And that's what differentiates a someone who's going to be successful in product from someone who isn't or what people consider to be good product people versus those that struggle in the role.
1: Sure. Um, So typically what, what we're looking for is, uh, and, and, you know, it may be different from organization to organization. So I'll just share ours. Um, Our product managers are all exceptionally intelligent um, and, and naturally very curious uh, people. They, are um, uh, creative in their problem solving capabilities. Um, you know, the pro- if product management in our world is, uh, is incredibly complex and is kind of like three dimensional chess. You know, there's, there's any number of things on fire going on at any time. There's any number of problems that are, that, that are happening. Um, and, uh, being able to kind of uh, to, to not just obsess over the details um, to be able to create the, the solutions or, or or work with the people to create the solutions that are necessary to the um, to the problems, but also being able to prioritize, which problems are the hottest, which ones need the most attention and uh, which ones are, are just a little bit of smoke. Um, problems are, are um, you know, Puzzles, are, it might be another way to put it. Challenges. These are, this is something that a, a product manager in our world needs to be very, very comfortable with and, um, and very comfortable in a world of, um, complete and utter like, uh, discipline. You know, this is a self-discipline world. Uh, in, in, we, we don't have a heavy, um, Um, you know, managerial structure. So, you know, what, what we have are we have very strong goals. We have timelines for those goals. We have growth goals. We have, you know, um, we obviously have budgets, but, um, but we leave it up to the product manager who works with uh, the various teams around the building. We probably have about 40 different disciplines um, in this building so everything from ux to uh finance and billing to um obviously all of your technology and database partners to uh copywriters and designers and um people and obviously and then um uh, compliance is a big one legal risk um there's yeah there's there's just a, a, all the um, analytics and everything else you've got to work with so many different partners so you need a uh, a wide range of communication styles that, um, that, um, that could kind of work in a, for different types of people, um, here at Casasa, we just, we just have a wide breadth of different types of roles. And as a result, you end up with obviously, um, different ways that brains work. And, um, and so, so that, you know, the, the big, big things that I say, if you're not resilient, if you're not able to um, to get knocked down on a daily basis and come back just fired up, it's gonna be a problem, man. We, you know, pr- product management is um, is doing it well. Uh, rather, if you're doing it poorly, everyone knows your name uh, at the company, and they're all like, "Oh, good crap. point. What did that guy do now? <laughs> Bad press, right? If exactly. If you're if you're doing it awesome." then everyone wonders what the hell you do here. They're like, why is that guy (laughs) even getting paid? It's (laughs) um, it's so, it's so, you know, there's, there's that weird dichotomy, but the reality is there's going to be somewhere in between. And, and, um, and there is a, there, you know, you, you have a lot of rough days and nights where, you know, you should be obsessing about your product and about your industry and about your competition. And, 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 you know, what, what, you know, the nuance of different positionings for, for the different products that, that maybe you're up against and, you know, how, how your, your product is is evolving and, you know, what your client base, your consumer base is, is responding to and where they're headed next. All of that is very, very important, but at a fundamental level, inside the person, person needs to be very intelligent, needs to be very, and I believe curiosity is, is usually a component of that, um, they need to have phenomenal communication skills they need to be able to uh, they need to be very resilient they need to obsess over things um, particularly their area of expertise and then they need to be able to work interdependently with a wide variety of people um, all of that while being self disciplined so so you know a lot of people whenever they they'll, they'll approach us for a product management position they 'll say well i don't you know i don't have a you know expertise in this area of finance um, quite frankly, that's not, that's, that's usually, a um, the last thing we're looking for, you know, we, we, we say, well, you know, can we, can we kind of bang it into their brain? Uh, and if so, if they're smart enough to, to take it, then, then, and they have all the other components, then, you know, the finance piece might not necessarily be that big of a deal for some product management roles. It is a very big deal, you know, how deep they, they are in that space for others. It's, it's more about, you know, what are the characteristics of their, uh, of of the human being and, and can we teach them, um, you know, the basics of, uh, of of checking accounts or what have you. Hopefully that helps. That is very helpful. And I
0: would agree with everything I heard. I would pull out some highlights that I've seen be particularly important as well. The creative and problem solving is a big one. Being self-discipline is obviously a huge one. The resiliency is also very important. So it's it's someone who, in my experience, has to kind of be super comfortable with that journey and in that environment. Product people or good people that excel that I've seen in the product world are those that almost don't fit well into almost every other role. Because <laughs> they no. want that they want that disruption. They want to be constantly solving not just more problems, but different kinds of problems. So the consistency in your work is going to be very inconsistent. So you need to Really be comfortable in that space. And it, someone said something to me, it was a coworker, a good friend of mine, I worked with years ago. I come from a couple of heavy technical background. I was an engineer, then I was a network engineer, then I was a software engineer, all that kind of stuff. And as I was at one of the operations centers working where we were 24 7 and we were monitoring stuff, he said something to me and he said, because we would constantly be all hands on for stuff that's going down and keeping the enterprise up and all that, networks and what have yeah. you. But he said, you know, I think you like it when things break. <laughs> because he, he would have the opposite reaction. He would almost panic when something went down or we needed to be all hands-on or whatever. And I <laughs> I didn't really recognize it until he said it. But then every time from that moment forward, I realized it and it's like, you know what I really do? Because it's exciting. It's like trial by fire. It's the best way to learn. And I'm just super engaged in that moment. So i, I that's how I would quantify Great. a fair bit of what you had just mentioned. And I, I couldn't agree more. So super helpful. Uh, so you've heard it here, folks, from a product expert. Thank you for sharing that. Let's see. You know, I think
1: think the 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 capability it's really, really important for a product manager, and it 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 takes. I mean, typically, it takes some real honing of the craft um, to 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 really focus in on what is the inherent drama of the product I'm building or managing and strip away the feature vomit you know the <laughs> the you know me that. too sort of features, and all <laughs> that you know all that all that, all that all that noise that um that the grid of uh check boxes that you know our our product has all these features and instead really focus on what is the what is the inherent drama in this thing in the in, in the product what what's going to give that consumer or that client a reason to believe that the thing that I'm offering is, um, is different in kind, not, not just different in, you know, uh, Oh, this thing's more advanced. And I think so often it's really easy for product managers to end up in a, in a race for, you know, um, uh, snapping on the next feature as opposed to, to to constantly reevaluating their product and saying, you know, what is, what, where is the drama in this thing and, and is it where it needs to be, you know, or is it evolving? And which is fine too, but, uh, but really, really focusing on that as part of their craft is, is, is so, so important.
0: Nicely done. and agreed. All right, my next one for you is one that I get from time to time, uh, similarly as well. So this is more on the product side of building products and you guys are in fintech and all that kind of stuff. And it's how do you find product market fit i got this recently when i was running a, I was presenting in front of a latest cohort and accelerator program here in our city i'm curious to know how you would answer a question like that because that one that one's loaded
1: <laughs> yeah um how do i define it or how do we find it now
0: how do you find product market fit right so for the products you're working on the products you have worked on those that have been successful those that needed to be sunset right what what is the process that you try to follow or do you recommend for others as well to building product based businesses for what to do in order to find that you know mythological or the example of what what people would consider to be product market fit
1: yeah I, you know we uh, i'll tell you it's it's <laughs> there is part of this where um, in in our world where we have continuous feedback loops with the um, with the and you know we're a B two B to C company and also in some ways B two C from a brand perspective. So we have continuous feedback loops uh, occurring within our organization with the business, you know, the our 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 banks and our credit unions, and also our consumers from. The, the incredible amount of research that we do. So, um, so you know that that really informs a lot of where we know the market is heading or what we know they they need. Um, and then we and then we, you know, do the we we figure out what, for instance, uh, this product thing. You take a widget. We then do a ton of testing. Um, and kind of continuous testing, to be honest, uh, about, you know, it's fit in the market and, and, you know, this year we're going through right now, we are actively in the process of, um, you know, this year sunsetting a couple of products and, and, you know, that's a, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. Um, uh, not, it it wasn't hard for us. It's hard for us sometimes to, um to declare a product to be sunset when it's all, when it's still selling and it's still, the margins are still really great. Um, and that product just doesn't fit in the family. It doesn't fit in, in where we're headed, you know? Um, and so, so we, you know, we were experiencing that with, with one product and then a couple of other products where they they don't fit anymore because the technologies. um, you know, we're, we've, we've, we've outpaced it from, you know, we've built new platform and, and, and uh, uh, technologically kicked its ass. So, so that's, that's easier, but the more emotional side and, and certainly the more, um, you know, financial sort of question that, that often comes up with, with, with product fit for us is, well, wait a second, this thing's still making a lot of money. Some consumers are still happy with it. Yeah. But is it a large number? Is it, you know, um, how big is large, how big is the bread box? And so we continually have those adjustments internally in our, in our organization. And I don't know that we necessarily have figured it out, but I do know that, you know, the research and the data that we get informs so much of it. Um, and then you kind of match that up with, um, you know, okay, but then also where are our goals as an organization, where are we headed over the next two years? And, and, you know, does this thing belong on the team? And Sometimes you just got to kick it out.
0: I like that. And I like the way you described it as well too, because I get that question fairly regularly from, from all over. A lot of it comes from those that don't have product experience, of course. So to me, I would agree in, your diagnosis that it's it's almost more of a process. It's more of a workflow. It's more of a, a situation to kind of be in where you're making those continuous yep. adjustments based on the feedback that you're doing. So if you're not staying on top of it, it's something that can hard to make continuous progress at. But and I think that's where people always like from what I've heard from a number of sources is you'll kind of know when you're there when you're there. That <laughs> the the pushback on that, yeah. of course, is always. Well, how do I know if I'm getting closer and where I'm at and all that kind of stuff? And I think it's everything that you just described. If you're doing those things, right, product market fit is not a box to be checked, or it's. Not, I think it's less of like a milestone to reach. It just, it kind of happens over time. Doing the right things, if you're getting the right kind of feedback, if you're ensuring that your product is connected with your market, if you're growing in the metrics that are important for the growth of your organization, you know, based on your revenue model, your industry, who you're targeting from a marketing perspective, and then those are all trending in the right direction then eventually i think you will be there like you said and i'm glad you brought up some of those it's, other it's you know
1: i i, to be I just too. sorry to step on you there i i oh, get so ahead. frustrated i get so frustrated when i hear um when i hear people say oh winners never quit you know, that's complete bullshit It really is. winners know when to quit. they they know absolutely when exactly. to quit they know and and they they take they they <laughs> You know, it's these it's these LinkedIn posts that are like, oh, you know, so and so tried this 4000 times before they did this. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I understand that's somewhat inspiring to some jerk that's out there is sitting on his butt. But um, but the reality is, you know, we you if if you want to get really good at um, understanding your market and understanding your product fit, then you need to talk to your market. And you need to listen, not just talk. And when you hear things that say, hey, you know what? Um, I don't really like this thing blowing up on me every day. Or I didn't touch it for the last two weeks because it didn't help me solve the problem. It was more trouble than it was worth or whatever. Odds are you're chasing, um, you know, slap, right? You're chasing a solution looking for a problem. You may you might not have the solution yet. And and you've got to hear it from um, you know, you've got to take that feedback and not take it personally. It's the hardest thing in the world, uh, but not take it personally and understand that these are people, oftentimes the consumers, the people who buy your products, they are your biggest fans. Even if they're telling you the thing they bought sucks, they bought it from you. That means they voted with their freaking money <laughs> or their time, validation. which is more than money these days. And they're voting with their time and they're saying, you know what? No, I don't like your thing because it gave me shit work to do. I don't like your thing because it, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and, you know, that's, that is some of the most valuable input. And it's input that you should take to heart. And, um, and so, you know, and and use it as you, as you, you know, build your product, refine it.
0: I like it a lot that, Quote I'm probably going to steal from you and, and include in the show notes here it's not winners you know never quit it's knowing when to quit right and that is a that is experience that earned over time and you master something like that is invaluable because you never want to you don't want to pull the plug too early on something that has great promise and is showing the right signs of it, and then you don't want to throw good money after bad for something that you know needs to be removed from the product portfolio like you just said so it's realistically a balance right so i completely agree right. nicely nicely put well this has been thanks. fantastic uh, i have gotten trend, tremendous value for myself i know the listeners will more than likely agree from someone who has so much product experience thanks man it was yourself. a lot of fun
1: it was a, it was a total yeah plus. and i've
0: got absolutely thank you so much for, for for being here and i've got a couple more questions for you uh, to share with you know our listeners as well also and that's any resources that you would recommend—books, blogs, anything otherwise—in and around the product space, maybe things about fintech that uh, where people can go to learn to learn more. And I mean, I, I, if you could s- actually spend a moment or two talking about Bank corruption a little bit, I think that would be really cool. Because I know that—I mean, five-star review on Amazon, man. Good number of reviews on there. I've been reading it, and I absolutely love it. So if you could talk maybe a little bit about how that came to be, I think that would be. Something that I would I would love to get more visibility, more people, especially those that are interested in fintech, get in front of that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um bankruption was uh, uh it, it sort of thing happened. I got a call from a client, and the client um said, John, you know, you, you don't know me. I'm uh I, I knew his last name because uh, the family owns a very profitable bank. That's a client of ours. He said, I'm an investor in New York and my family is telling me they want me to move back home to take over the family bank. Um, and I said, wow, I mean, that's cool. Like, what a cool opportunity. He said, no, man, I'm scared. I, uh, I'm so, you know, I, I called all, the, all my investor buddies in New York and San Francisco and they all said, sell the bank. Uh, do not touch community banking, community banking and banking in general is being disrupted by FinTech. And he said, wow. um, he said, would you, would you mind taking a week or so and going around to different clients and maybe other banks and credit unions that aren't clients and determining, you know, what should I do? Because I can't sell this bank. It's my family's business. <laughs> I won't be invited back for Christmas dinner. Uh, I need to take over the bank, but I need to I need to hear from institutions that have kind of crossed the figurative chasm, um, what they did to actually um, make it in this new world. So I said sure. So I I took a week, and that week turned into about six months, and ended up being a book. And the reason is uh, what I learned. Um, I was effectively just trying to solve one simple question if I was a C-level executive at a financial institution today, what changes would I make to prepare myself for the, and my team for the next few years? Like what are the things I would do today to set my team up for success over the next couple of years? And, you know, the book itself doesn't even mention that, that fellow who called me or his institution because it's not important. It's a, it's a much bigger problem than, uh, than just his institution's problem. It's, it's an industry issue. And so, so the book itself kind of touches on a whole bunch of lessons that I've learned, um, uh, while talking to institutions and certainly talking to other FinTech companies and being in the space for you know 15 years. And, um, and certainly it takes a product. It's definitely got a, uh, you know, a product manager's perspective on it. Um, the uh, and then at the end, I, I essentially put that question to um, twenty of my friends from around the industry, uh, pretty well known, some pretty well known people in the industry as well as uh, others who maybe weren't as well known. They um, from various corners of banking and have them kind of answer the question. That's also kind of a really interesting section as well so so the book itself has been um, has been a, a blast it was um, pretty hard to write but uh, um, but you know it, I'm glad I'm glad I did it and, um, and I think hopefully it will be an enjoyable read for people excellent thank you for sharing I look
0: forward to sharing that with a number of the financial professionals in my life as well too I don't know if I mentioned earlier about my sisters in finance she has an interest in getting into syntax. So that's going to be something I recommend for her. Okay. Awesome. All right, now having said that, uh, thank you for sharing that resource. And then another question I have is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Um, any type of like social media, any any other accounts, stuff like that, anything that you want to share or yeah, anyone who would be of interest to, to reach out to you and how they can get in touch? Sure. Uh,
1: I'm- all the, I'm on LinkedIn um, and obviously Twitter, which I guess is probably where everybody is these um, who's in business these days. Uh, but on Twitter mainly, I, I, um, um, I, I, I don't contribute very much really anywhere. So you're better, you're, you're better off tracking me down either through Twitter DMing me or, uh, or LinkedIn. And um Reality is, as you know, um, there's so much information coming unto us at all times. And we also have work to do. So I like listening to podcasts and I like engaging with people, um, uh, you know, so feel free to reach out to me through Twitter, um, but you won't find too many like posts from me on Twitter. It's not really my world. I think
0: that's what I have for us here today. I can't thank you enough for being here, John. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, uh, one, one final kind of quick thing that I've found very helpful for me has been um, when, when we are working on new products um, or even product features that we think we wanna build in, we start first with a sales pitch, an advertisement, if you want to think about that way, to the end buyer, who is, who is buying this thing and why are they buying it? And, um, and it's, it really helps us focus on what we're building and why, um, before we even oftentimes we'll do this even in just the hypothetical, like, you know, we're just throwing stuff at a wall to solve a problem. Um, and, and it just might if, if you've never tried it, it just might be a, a fun exercise to really, you know, focus your thinking on the solution that you believe you have and how it might um, uh, be a better solution than what else is out there. So just wanted to offer that up.
2: But otherwise, exactly. this was a this
1: was a great chat. so Thank you very much. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing
2: that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you're looking for help with your product business in the area of product strategy or product management, please feel free to reach out to Next Step to learn more about how we can help at hello at nextstep.io. That's hello at nxtstep.io. Additionally, if you know anyone who has experience building, running, or managing a product or product business and would like to be a guest on our show to share their story, please have them reach out to our organizer at podcast at nextstep.io. That's podcast at nxtstep.io. Thanks and keep disrupting. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.